This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you. The paramita for today is kashenti, uh, patience. Um, and where do we need patience? Uh, more than in our meditation when we're uh, very sincerely and dedicatedly um, attempting to stay present and uh, stay settled in equanimous and accepting and uh, only to have the unruly nature of our life express itself. And then that enters the world and creates its own um, disturbances. But let's start um, as, as we connect to our body and our breath. Uh, let's remind ourselves not to be surprised when the stuff of your life pours forth. Uh, but, but maybe more to think, oh, things are going according to plan. I'm being me <laughs> in an unedited and unrehearsed way. Uh, there's something about when we approach it with that kind of attitude that um, rather than get into some subtle or sometimes blatant struggle with our own being, um, we can invite uh, a steadiness, a presence that almost paradoxically can hold our unsteadiness, our, our distress, or even just the subtle workings that, that cause our, our mind and our emotions uh, and our body to shift, to tighten. So as you set up your body and your breath, as you remind yourself, this is a process of being, not a process of making something happen. That it's an invitation, it's a permission, and it has attentiveness. So I would say to you, as you start to sit, attend to your body. Notice the feelings, the physical sensations in the body. And as you notice them, you start to connect to them. 
What are the subtle adjustments to body that help a settledness, a balanced uprightness? The front of the body to be open. The spine to be long. Maybe for several breaths to really give full attention to what it is to let the, the inhale happen. To let the aliveness of your being happen. to reconnect to something foundational, fundamental to being. And similarly with the exhale, Reminding yourself, rediscovering what it is to let the body breathe out. What it is to let go. And as you do that, notice notice the character of your mind and body today. Is it settling easily? Is it refusing to settle? Is there some rising agenda? of getting it right. Some urgent preoccupation. They're all part of the plan of being aware, of being what you already are.
And in a moment, I'll ring the bell. And as I do, and you start to shift, notice as best you can uh, what that shifting feels like, how it affects your consciousness. Uh, does your mind become more active or more attentive in an external way than an internal way? Not to say there's some right experience you should have, but just to notice the experience that's unfolding. Maybe the most challenging part of Zazen, that style of meditation, is the simplicity of the request. Just to notice the experience that's unfolding and how, um, as, as we attend to that, how thoroughly informative it can be for us and, and as in that you know usually there's a uh, there's an editing to our experiencing that's sometimes intentional and, and often not and to, to be able to invite ourselves back to this unedited uh, expression of our being and then also recognizing that that when we sit still that when we start to open the body the breath and the mind um, it will draw up to the surface um, like a deeper expression deeper in that uh, Almost like it's more heartfelt. And, and to give it permission to happen is indeed uh, sometimes in subtle, subtle ways and it's sometimes in very obvious ways. It's reassuring, it's healing, it's stabilizing. And then sometimes those capacities don't come forth for us. And how can we allow that to be just how it is today? How it is for this period of Zazen? And, and I'll talk about that later when we get to uh, today's paramita, patience, kashanti. But before we do that, I wondered, would, would any of you be willing to share your reflections 
on exploring uh, the the paramita of kashanti of of um, sila. This. So everybody's muted, <laughs> except me. Oh. <laughs> so I think if you go into your screen, you can find a way to put your hand up. And I can invite you to unmute yourself. And also, just be aware, this is going to be recorded and will be available publicly online. Oh. Thank you, Jean. So any observations, any comments around the, uh, the, the practice of sila? Okay, go ahead, Peter. Um, I think it was the email that you sent, Ryan, about um, noticing and acknowledging um, what went on was absolutely fantastic. It really was because um, it just, for me, you know, it just made me uh, become very present of what was going on without uh, having any sort of comment about anything. Like it was like this, like it was like just being very present for as everything was just arising. And um, I, I just thought that was really wonderful, you know. I just really got so much out of that, you know. Um, and I still am, you know. It, would, it was like we all do our practice, sit every day. And, um, but just actually to do that in action, it's just another way of doing it in action, you know. And I was going, well, and as I was getting more used to it, um, then... You know, things didn't just get out of control. It was like everything was, you know, becoming very sort of um, ordinary and, um, you know, more sort of like um, normal. <laughs> normal. Um, but um, I got tremendous out of it. I thought that was really um, uh, fantastic, you know, uh, I think that was my best experience out of it all. And I'm just going to continue to do that. It was just like noticing as anything was coming up and just acknowledging as it was coming and going, right, well, that's the way things go and that's the way things are. And it's not such a really big deal. It's just very simple. And... Um, it, it was really good in a way because um, if anything, you know, um, that I felt that was uh, difficult, it didn't become difficult. It was just something that was going on. And uh, that's just my experience. And uh, it's difficult more to explain about that, but it was really a very wonderful way of really to stay present and practice, you know, um, or what another way I would say, Ma um, I've heard of this before, like meditation and action, and some, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So um, that's um, that's my experience of just that email you sent me. It was very good, and uh, thanks, okay. thank you for giving that to me. That's wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for your comments. You're welcome. Yeah. 
So are we waiting for people to put their hands up, Jean, or, or how should we proceed? Um, I sent a message in the chat box. If you can see the chat on your screen, um, send a message. Ah. Jean, could you describe as, I, I've heard in the past people saying you can digitally put your hand up. Do you know how to do that? I think if you... Oh, Jean, you, 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 we can't hear you. I think I was in, uh, Jean, did you unmute me uh, to speak or would you like me to walk people through let me walk people through uh, how to put their hand up. Would that be okay? Absolutely, please. Yes. Okay, so if everybody uh, get their finger on their cursor and bring it down to the uh, bottom of their screen, and if it's not already in the, in the instruction. Thank you so much. I'm really thank grateful you. to be in this class. To Paul, thank you for offering this class. And to Nada, who invited me to and shared that there's a class with Paul. And Jin, thank you for responding immediately and letting me join a little bit late. And as I said um, in my email, in the times like today, this Dharma is like air and water for me. And I feel for now for uh, many months or many weeks, in several months, I, I'm deprived of that essential element in my life. Um, I was delighted to hear that this is uh, a class on the paramitas because this was my very first teaching uh, when I came to Zen Center uh, in my first practice period. And Paul was the newly installed abbot. So you can date mm. me. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, as I'm a person of terminal um, forgetfulness and uh, amnesia on spiritual matters, that teaching is my bedrock. That is the teaching of the, the paramitas have been the teaching that really has stayed with me somehow very deep in the back. And when I'm not doing anything else um, on the Dharma or in practice, even when I'm not sitting, somehow that informs gently on the back that I can touch that and rely, even if I can't list all the paramitas. Um, so um, I'm hoping to uh, revive and deepen my practice and my understanding and learn all the parameters <laughs> at will. And this week, this, the, the invitation for uh, asking what's happening now. You know, I read the email that Paul sent and it was really a wonderful reminder and the invitation for observing what is being experienced, experiencing the experience, you know, what's being experienced and asking what's happening now. This is the very first teaching I, I received and 
really when I, my very first practice discussion, even when I first arrived at Zen Center was that, and uh, what's happening now? And that simple question was baffling and uh, it just, it just snapped me out of my perpetual inv involuntary involvement above my neck. And the last few days, having practiced that in very different situations, like I'm washing the dishes, I am sitting down and watching a movie, I'm walking around the house, uh, not knowing what I'm doing exactly. Uh, what's my next task? Uh, walking my dog, bending down, uh, petting my dog, falling asleep. That I've been asking these questions in all these conditions, or sitting down to meditate, or um, tending to my, my flowers on my patio and everyday activities and the activities of slowing down and introspection, asking that question, including uh, being in a kind of an altered state during a breath, an intense breathwork session where there's a lot of intense sensations in the body and also there is uh, intense mental activity or you know other it's an altered state i was still able to ask that question what is happening and i think that just posing it immediately kind of puts this other uh observer mode in in place for me but it's it's very um it's not very it's not passive i noticed that this is not a passive just watch it's a it has an active component it's watching and it also somehow infuses the activity with with more vigor or more experiences being experienced that's that's what i have to say mm. thank you for letting me speak mm. thank you maria i i love that that closing uh, observation you made that as we attend to something often as we engage it it becomes richer or it becomes more vivid or it becomes more informative yeah thank you um. okay so Anne Hawking has her hand up and I'm going to um, ask her to unmute herself okay Anne um, I um, thank you, thank you, Paul. Thank each of you. Um, this um, Sheila couldn't have come at a more opportune time, uh, given the uh, murders and um, just all the unrest in the streets about racial inequality um, that's going on in this country. Um, it just isn't stopping. Um, well, my husband said he, he read that two black men were hanged um, in a small town out in the desert in California in Victorville. Unbelievable. And the mindfulness training underneath Schiller are not to do harm and not to exploit people. 
So, and then, you know, to speak wisely and think wisely um, and not to hurt people with how we consume. So it's, it, these concepts, these precepts, these practices really bring home um, very essential ways of living as a good human being uh, that are not being respected uh, in this country right now. Um, and so this just provides more uh, intense focus for me on um, trying to start from the inside of myself to bring into the world a more positive, life-promoting uh, way of being. Um, and also, you know, prompting me to uh, ask, what can I do? What can I do? Um, even in small steps. So, thank you. Thank you, and Yes, it's true. The, the times we're in now are both challenging us to find out uh, what can I do internally and what can I do externally. And, and then maybe offering us uh, an example of when things go wrong, when, 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 when there is an absence of what Sila, the virtues that Sila is trying to promote, you know, uh, that that it can turn absolutely savage and uh, and vicious in, in how what goes on in the world. I think most of us, many of us, certainly I am in in a shade a state of shock, and in some ways. Uh, a hopefulness, you know, that, that this this noticing and acknowledging will, will lead to um, a change, a deep change. And I notice my my attention going to the articles that seem to be affirming that is indeed beginning. For those of us who remember, you know, the what happened in Ferguson, I think that was 2014, uh, created outrage, and then it sort of fell away, and old patterns came back in. Uh, but thank you for bringing it up. Maybe one last question or, or comment before we uh, start to look at Kashanti. Okay, Rob was was next. I'm gonna unmute or ask Rob to unmute himself. Is that okay, Rob? Am I here? There Can you, you hear me? Yes. Yes. Um, actually, I just raised my hand to offer for those of us who have phones and iPads that the hand is in the three little dots. If you look for the icon of the three little dots that says more, 
then just clicking on that, you'll see several options, one of which is raise the hand. Um, oh. But while I'm here, <laughs> um, while everyone was talking and this week, um, what I finally kind of came to with Sila was for me just um, returning, uh, you know, returning to the breath. Um, I just love the phrase, one step backward taken. Um, and just find myself during the day many times just if if it occurs to me, which it does as it becomes a habit of just pausing and um, and just being aware of, of what happens when I pause. Uh, uh, the forward momentum uh, carries on, but still there's a there's a sense of kind of um, you know, there's an emptiness there that's a little scary almost sometimes, but then it just becomes much more informative and open. And um, and I find it, you know, it prevents me from pushing too far with habit energies that, you know, uh, cause um, hindrances, you know, often for me and my family and others. So, so that was just what it really occurred to me, really, for myself. Uh, is that uh, pausing and, and returning is probably a, you know the best thing I can do to support uh, sila and, and discipline practice you know itself. So that's all. Mm. Yeah, it, and, and maybe in two senses of the word of the phrase, that's all. It, yeah. That's that's the whole story. <laughs> then it, it, in the moment, it, it's quite simple. It's it's this, you know, this experience is what's being asked to be met. You know, not the whole world, just this experience. Because right. in that moment, it is how the whole world's expressing itself for us. Yes. So in the, the, there's six uh, parameters, and I, I thought prompted by Maria's comment, you know, like she's forgotten what they are. Uh, it's you know, Buddhism is filled with lists, so uh, I think it's easy to forget some of them. But one way to think about them is that the, the first three, you know. The, the generosity of giving and receiving and, and the way it can loosen up our sense of scarcity or that contraction into me that has to be taken care of, preserved, defended, you know, um, the, the uh, dana, the giving and receiving is a, a profound shift for us to trust interbeing you know? and then also um, recognizing and realizing that the interbeing is is how it is you know? and and then the second one uh, of a sila you know, don't harm do good, you know. We, we, we could easily get involved in, you know, processing the details of exactly what that means in any particular situation. Uh, 
and often that has its own relevance and teaching. And yet I, th I think fundamentally, uh, to say something like training our heart to recognize, oh, this is coming from heartful intention to be of benefit, to be benevolent, to engage, uh, to interbe in a positive and constructive way. And, and to, to train our heart to differentiate between that and, okay, this is coming from a more isolated, separate, hard-hearted uh, place. Yeah. And, 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 and as, as we engage that, then, you know, we will experience uh, the complexities of the world, you know, and we will be challenged to respond. And uh, in, in, in Zen in particular teaches that we approach that challenge with a certain practical humility, you know. Um, and, and when coupled with benevolence and, and the trust that that offers us, uh, it helps us to shift. It helps us to shift something fundamental in our being, you know, that the preservation of me is the most important thing, you know, and, and, and how we build out from that, um, the us and them, the competitiveness, uh, the instinct to um, be aggressive or, or however we play out our notions of uh, self. And then in addition to that, kashanti, uh, patience, you know, that life, you know, it, it's so extraordinarily straightforward in the, in the, what supposedly was the first teaching uh, of Shakyamuni Buddha after his awakening, you know, that um, there is a dissatisfaction that arises for us. And it's, it happens in two ways, not getting what we want and getting what we didn't want. Something very foundational, fundamental in how that sets in motion uh, the agitation, distress, aggression, uh, despair of a human life. And patience is asking us to keep exploring the difference between just getting swept up in the agitation, however it's expressing itself. To look at that and then to look at what is it to say and maybe feel, maybe much more important than saying, this is what's happening now. These feelings, these thoughts, 
this physical response, this um, associated memories, these anticipations, these judgments, these perceptions, these behaviors. Something patience is asking something fundamental about rather than getting swept up. Can can there be something like as Peter was saying, notice, acknowledge, and in that um, a willingness to experience. When the human condition is is putting forward i want more of that than i'm getting and i want less of that than i'm getting there, there's an initiation of soviet this is what's happening that, that before we're lost in what it should be or should not be and that's why I was saying in Zazen, the, this is the utterly simple and endlessly challenging request. Yeah. And, and so this, I mean, in one way, willingness to suffer. Yeah. But in another way, that sounds a little misguided because in allowing the experience to be what it is, we're also inviting liberation, you know. And and yet, we we need to be patient with the process of patience. <laughs> I remember reading um, about six months ago a book by David Trelevin, where he was talking about trauma-sensitive mindfulness. And it set me thinking, well, in one way or another, we're all traumatized. In one way or another, we have coping mechanisms. There are ways we dissociate. There's a ways we distract ourselves. There's a ways in which we cut off something of our own experience. And I, and I think it helps. It, it helps in the cultivation of patience to hold our own being in that tender way. And as we do that, to hold all being in that tender way. And then so from patience, this willingness to experience the moment. And, and part of the cautionary tale of, of David Trelevin's book, and, and to me, I find it extraordinary, and I think many people did, was that in our traumatized state, our responses are not well adapted to what's in front of us. And in some ways, it's a journey 
a process for us to shift from these not well adapted responses to a process of skillful response. Usually the not well adapted is a reaction. We react from a place of fear, from a place of aggression, from a place of scarcity, from a place of um, confusion. But when we start to make the, get in touch with the experience, and then the challenge becomes, um, can there be a contact that starts to become informative? You know, sometimes in the, in the teachings, it says willingness to experience and then enduring. You know, persevering, staying with. You know. and, and, and sometimes it's, it's a patient re-acknowledging, you know, like telling ourselves again, yes, I'm having a hard time with this. Yes, I'm experiencing this as painful. Yes, this is agitating. Yes, this is distressing. Can we stay close? And as we start to stay close, the um, as Maria was just saying, you know, it become it starts to become informative. This is the subjective experience of now. It, 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 we start to see what the particulars of it. And it starts to give us clues as to how to respond appropriately. And sometimes that is to find a way to lessen the experience. You know? okay, I need to go out and just walk and, and let something of this agitation dissipate. Sometimes it's to open and, and settle into it. And, and there's a judgment, there's an assessment, maybe a judgment's the wrong word. There's an assessment in terms of taking care of the workings of our own being. Of course, we would all like to think, well, I will have the experience, I will open to it deeply, I will settle and, and be deeply informed about what's going on, my, my more visceral feelings, my psychosomatic being, the structure of my mind, how it influences my relationships and my values. Yes. Uh, but to remind ourselves that whether we like it or not, our life is more vulnerable and tender and in some ways fragile than that. 
you know, the, the, the being we are needs to be taken care of. It, to be patient with our own capacity to open up. And it's very interesting because as we develop that patience and almost humility with our own capacity, um, it starts to cultivate a resilience. So it's like a paradox there. Like acknowledging our lack of resilience helps support our resilience. And, and in the process um, of, of releasing uh, the reactiveness, which starts to mature and develop in that staying with and starting to be informed and starting to be skillful and compassionate, uh, the capacity to stay present and engaged is enhanced. And then as that's enhanced, um, we start to see, well, what is it and how is it that in, in my workings, in the history of my experience, that agitation in its variety of ways has become so ingrained. And, and then it helps to set the stage for forgiveness. And the distinction between, you know, trying to convince ourselves that what happened was just fine. Uh, you know, usually it wasn't just fine. And that's why it's agitating. That's why it's distressing. That's why it needs this patient compassion. Um, I, I remember in uh, being someone mentioning to me oh, quite a while ago in Northern Ireland that there's, there's and I don't know if it, it's it, that's the where it was initiated, but the notion of to stop wishing for a better past, yeah, like uh, that's what that was the definition of forgiveness. You know, that, that way in which we can find ourselves having a difficult experience that's unsettling for us and we find it keeps recurring to our mind, you know. We, 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 it's, it's on replay. And I sometimes think it's on replay. On, we keep replaying it to get to the conclusion to get to the resolution, you know? And usually we're trying to do that cognitively, you know? Whether, and, and often it's, when I should have said this, or I should have done that, you know? Um, but forgiveness uh, is an acceptance of what did happen and a softening of the agitation that it caused for you. 
and, and then in that softening, um, it's, it's almost like there's a change of heart. That that the perspective, the the version of reality that was being held in place, starts to loosen up. It, then it it starts to become possible that there could be another version to that story. And and, and that is um, that's how we invite in. Um, change and 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 so those three the, the generosity the benevolence of being the the, the cultivating of the, a virtuous way of being and 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 this tender process of relating to our own human existence and then as we do that, to realize that every one of us is going through this. And, and then, so uh, I remember a while back, noticing in myself, someone did something that I wished they hadn't done. And I, I was, uh, sort of agitated by that. Some combination of disapproval and annoyance. And then it occurred to me, this person was just being themselves. But I don't know exactly what was going on for them, but they were being themselves. And, and, and here I am wishing that they would not be themselves. In that moment, it, it was, it, it occurred to me, this is ridiculous, you know, how can we possibly wish people to not be themselves, but to be the person we think they ought to be or want them to be, you know? So, so it, it opens up into our relationships. And and then internally, within the process of the paramitas as an internal process, it opens up to the three other paramitas, which are a, a perseverance in practice. Actually, the word virya goes the whole distance from effort, perseverance to energy. And, and then the next one is um, immersion, uh, absorption, thoroughly connected, being part of, in contrast to being separate from and caught up in a distracted way. And then the last one is insight. And so how we can think about them is that the first three create for us the capacity to engage the second three. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, every single one of us is a complex person. And none of us goes from one to six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, sometimes we have an insight that just pops up and then it helps us look back and see, oh, and that's what was going on. And that's why I got so caught up in that. Like the insight of thinking, I want this person to stop being themselves and be who I would like them to be. And I'm annoyed that they won't do it. And I haven't even told them that. <laughs> and then the insight, inviting the patience, in, in, in inviting the benevolence and inviting, you know, the conduct, the engagement, it doesn't harm, it does good. And as it does it, there's like an energy release, you know? So that energy, which is contracting the body, making rigid the way of thinking and feeling and uh, starts to shift. And instead that energy flows into engaging, you know, being part of, being immersed in interbeing. So this kind of process, you know, and, and, and how to, um, you, you know, sometimes um, in our practice, we have a glimpse, we have an insight into, um, into liberation into how, what it, how it is to not get in our own way of being fully alive. You know, to, to, to not being caught up in the distress and, and limited being. And as we do it, it can, um, it can create its own kind of poignancy. Um, and how not to let that you know, be um, a self-criticism. You know? and, and when I, when I uh, sent you something last week, I, I used the phrase, and self-criticism almost always is not helpful. You know? uh, not to say there aren't times. I would say, in terms of criticizing yourself, if you could think of, you're criticizing a two-year-old, you know, and, uh, you know, and you know very well what a two-year-old really wants from you is a hug and a reassurance 
that everything's just fine and that you will be there for them in all their needs. Uh, maybe if you can hold yourself criticism in that regard, I would say, okay, that could be helpful. And, and I would say in, in a more uh, direct way, that, that is the, uh, the compassionate component to the wisdom of insight. That the insight needs them both. It needs the compassion, and 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 that compassion actually will support the insight to flow into action, in, into um, being transformative. And and so, I I will conjure up another um, an, another set of uh, ways to engage this. And, you know, that's just uh, my version. Uh, when you read it, if, if you think, well, I think it'd be better if I did this, well, by all means, try it out. <laughs> what can any one of us do but sort of like try to describe what, how it is for them? And, and hope that that's how it is for others. Uh, so feel invited to do that. May, sometimes it's just a matter of finding a way of engaging, a way of thinking, a way of articulating that resonates for you. Hmm? And I, at, at times I have found that helpful. And I, so I would suggest it to you, you know, like if something you, you read it and you think, huh, that doesn't do it for me. Uh, is there another way to phrase it? No. Is, is there a different adjective? Is, is there a different um, perspective that, that, that resonates for you? It's a very interesting process using the mind to support our practice. It's a little bit like when we're inspired or enthusiastic. You know, our attention is directed in a certain way, but something about it releases our energy. Is, is there something about how you might engage a suggested exercise that releases your energy rather than tries to dictate the response? And I will write up uh, some suggestions. Um, and then I would encourage you, as best you can, which is always the case, as best we can, to take it up on a daily basis. For many years, 
I have found a, a, a statement by Yunmen, a Zen teacher from the Tang Dynasty. And, and it's quite simple. And, and in some ways you could critique it for being naive and limited, but it, it works for me. That's all I can say. Every, the English translation is, every day is a good day. And it works for me in as much as every day we can engage a way to practice with it. You know, every day we can rediscover um, what is this process that I find so um, inviting, so challenging, and so supportive that I call practice. Yeah. And so I would say to you, the benevolence of generosity, the, uh, the virtue of sila, don't harm, do good. Uh, maybe we could just say trusting your heart and this patience, the durability, the resilience and the compassion of patience. Yeah. The, the, holding the three together, can we um, nurture our being so that the perseverance, the connectedness, the absorption, and the insight are, are, have a foundation, have, have a resource, have a renewal. And encourage you in your reflection on what I suggest. And search for your own words. No? I usually search around and try to find a poem that has a feeling that goes along with what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to articulate. Uh, it, again, that's just me. I, I, uh, I have an affinity to poetry. Um, maybe your way is visual. You know? Maybe there's a uh, something you see looking out your window that reminds you, that inspires you, that tutors you. Or maybe there's a piece of music. Or, or maybe there's um, something else, you know. Yeah. What, what calls forth the intentionality of practice for us? I think much better to think of that as a, uh, a creative question than to let it limit itself to the, some fixed uh, should, you know, 
in some ways that can become just another version of getting annoyed at ourselves for being ourselves. And if, if you're in a small group, I would encourage you to bring your, uh, your experience to the group. And, and if you're not in a small group and you would like to be, um, I think you can contact Jean and she'll figure something out. And if you don't want to be, that's fine too. Uh, engage it in a way that works for you. And thank you for your practice. Uh, it's, it's good to remember that each of us touches in our lives lots and lots of people. And that when we engage this practice, it comes out of us in what we say, how we say it, how we act, what we do, what we don't, what we refrain from doing, you know, that we're sharing the practice. Uh, just saying thanks and making eye contact with the person who just sold you a cup of coffee. Uh, it's not a complicated process. So thank you. And uh, take care.